Good morning. Great morning. Welcome back to another Noodleberg Daily Huddle. Welcome to Friday, which always means that we have a huddler in the hot seat. And it also means on this Friday, welcome to March. It is officially March 1st after the leap day yesterday. So technically, we, late. Got an late, but we got there. Yeah, <laughs> assuming, assuming everybody came with us from yesterday to today, which I guess is not a fair assumption. But Yesterday was awesome. Had the opportunity to uh, MC the uh, stock market challenge for junior achievement of South Florida. Was an absolute blast. Um, and for the first time in the history of the event, Cooper City took place, which is my uh, alma mater. And when I walked in, Coach Cardinelli, the baseball coach, and who has historically taught government and economics at Cooper City High School, was there. And I looked at him and I was like, Coach Cardinelli? And he was like, Noodleberg? And I was like, whoa. So it was super cool to, uh, and they actually ended up winning the morning session, which was pretty cool. And then I got to MC for the Nova versus Stranahan and Nova clean sweeped all top three positions. But I challenge everybody in this huddle. If you are in South Florida, you need to get involved with junior achievement. That Gabby came with me yesterday. It was an unbelievably fun time. Supports the kids, supports the youth of South Florida, supports an unbelievable organization. Highly, highly suggest you find something to do with junior achievement of South Florida. And if you're not in South Florida, then get involved with junior achievement. Um, but yeah, good stuff. Shay, you good? All good. Ready to rock and roll. You know what it is. Today. You know what day it is. It's Friday. It is Friday, and this huddler in the hot seat comes through the natural way of digital networking that we teach everybody to do it. I'm pretty sure she either came by my page or she had liked the post, or maybe I just found her because of something she posted. I'm not exactly sure what the initial uh, introduction was, but I reached out, of course, and said, hey, would love to add another leader. Would add, love to add, love to add another entrepreneur to my tribe. We went back and forth and said, "Hey, let's grab virtual coffee and share stories." And hearing her story about how her career has transitioned, how he's how she started the salary bump, how she has gone through helping people, and her relationship with money and what she does, I was like, "You are a no-brainer hot seat uh, huddler in the hot seat." So. I'm very excited to have Carrie Lynn Shaw on the show. We will go to wake up me. Oh no, excuse me. I have to do the daily affirmation. We got the affirmation. Shay, keep me on. Keep me <laughs> on track here. Shay, show me the daily affirmation, which is so important. I am exactly where I'm supposed to be, and it is my responsibility to find the resources around me to take the next step in my journey. I have the ability to grow and learn as I work towards fulfilling my vision. I think this is a fantastic reminder for everyone that no matter where somebody else is in their race, no matter how you're watching other people, you are where you're supposed to be. And if you try hard enough, if you look hard enough, you can find 
every resource that you need in order to take the next step. You just got to put in the effort to get there. So excellent way to start the day, setting the mindset right. Let's go to wake up music. Let's go to walk up music. And then let's get Carrie Lynn on the show. Money talking, Carrie Lynn Shaw. Welcome to the Noodleberg Daily Huddle. Thank you for being a huddler in the hot seat. Welcome. Thank you. Wow, what an intro! I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, so you did not pick a song for us, right? So I had the opportunity to pick the song for you, and uh, no shot, no surprise that my dad enjoyed that song. Rick James. <laughs> Money, money talking, great song. And I thought it was very appropriate for you. But before we get into how you do what you do and all of that, give us your story. Where do you come from? And how did you end up as the founder of the Salary Bump? So uh, where I came from was a small place in Western Canada. Um, okay. I ended up in the New York area over 20 years ago, 25 years ago. Um, never looked back in terms of Went back to Canada, but of course, my family and friends are still there. So I love it. Um, how I came to the salary bump. I spent about I spent over a decade in HR and I watched so few people negotiate of the thousands of offers that I gave that I started to think hmm, we have a pattern here. We have a problem here. Um, I didn't have to read the statistics that less than 50 percent of people negotiate or 34% of women negotiate, um, and that number is even less for people of color. I didn't have to read those stats because I lived it. And it puzzled me, um, but at the same time, I was one of those people. And I spent most of my career in the early days, I would say, saying in an interview when someone would ask, what are your salary expectations, that um, it's not about the money. It's about my growth, it's about impact, and I actually believed, and I sort of still do to an extent, that it's, it isn't about money is not my number one driver. I really believe that if I did good work, the money would come. And no question to an extent it did. Um, and that wasn't really the, the problem. But the problem was it wasn't until I got into HR and I realized that I can have the impact, I can have the growth, I can have great work, I can have all the things that I want but I'm allowed to have the money to go along with it. Um, and some of the really gross stats that 
you may have seen on my LinkedIn, Mark, um, maybe it's one of the reasons why you reached out. People are leaving between a million and a million and a half on the table over their career um, by not negotiating. And and it's it's real. Well, it's so funny. Like, look, my father told me this early in my career of, of going into football because my first job was $13,000 a year. And I was like, I was jumping through the roof to be getting paid, let alone, you know, I, you know, the little amount that it was, I was like, wow, look at the money that I'm getting paid. I can't believe I'm getting paid to do something that I love because that was always the philosophy was do what you love and the money will follow. And I think that's an important thing for people to remember is that you shouldn't do a job for the money. You should do a job because you love it. But if you do a job really well, you should be compensated appropriately for that, right? And, and it's okay for you to feel confident in that. So you've started a company. You started the salary bump because you recognized this gap and this problem of people leaving money on the table. How did you start to really build the structure of what you were going to teach people, how you were going to help people? What was that trajectory like? So there was two times in my career, one when I moved to a different company where I was able to double my salary and another where I was able to double my salary in an existing role. And the methodology that I used is what I'm now bringing to the world. I also learned so much from the small percentage of people that did negotiate with me. Um, and I just thought, you know what, there's a there's a smart way to do this. So people can work with me one on one. It's sort of down at the end of the funnel. You come to me, you've got a job offer in hand. We're going to turn that around really quickly. You're about to jump into your dream interview or you're looking for a bump in your current role or the online module, which is my digital program that I created. And that's the one that is most exciting. It's accessible for everyone. And it's, how did I create it? I mean, I, I really just went through some of the key things that people don't know and recognize, which is they don't know that they can't ask. They don't know how to even know what they're worth, what their value is. And they don't know how to ask. And then there's another really big factor, and that is people are afraid to ask for a few mm. reasons. One, they, they think you might pull the offer on them, which, by the way, I've never done, not once, as a chief people officer, not once. Um, and they're, they're afraid that they could also come across greedy or whatever association you have to money. Yep. Um, yep. It could be that, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. Um, the limiting beliefs that we've got in our heads around it um, that I think filthy rich is a is a phrase that people use. And it's um, it's really unfortunate because it's, it's not what it's about. And then I think the other thing is being on the HR side, giving people a peek behind that curtain to help you understand what HR is thinking when they're making you these numbers. And the most important thing to just know is that they are all expecting you to negotiate every single one of them. And when you don't, it's a surprise to them. So it's not like you're beating down a door, right? Where like, Mark, you're pitching to a client and that's not beating down a door necessarily, but you're pitching something. They already want you. <laughs> we want you to take this job. Come work with us. We love you. Mm. So you are actually in the driver's seat and, and, the most, mo the large majority of people just don't know. That. So how do, how do you help? What do you teach people to overcome that fear? I think I got a piece of it right there, which is 
building that confidence of realizing you're in the driver's seat, right? So there, there's, there's part of it for sure. But how do I get over my, maybe I grew up with a, with a, a family of people who had a scarcity mindset. And even though we lived in abundance, they felt like we didn't have enough. And so I have that kind of, you know, that, that behavior that I've inherited, or maybe I didn't come from much. And maybe I've been raised from an immigrant family and, and raised to believe that I should be thankful for anything and everything somebody is willing to give me. So how do you help people with that? Yeah. So there's a big confidence building, know your worth, know your value piece of my online course. Um, and I interview expert coaches who help you break that down and get past some of the limiting, limiting beliefs, work on some of your mindset around it and focus on times when you have been successful at something where you have been able to have a different relationship with money. Um, and that's, that's a big part of it. Um, I think the big thing for me is I'm a big fact-based person. I'm mm. I, I would say I'm a very good balance between head and heart, but what I try to help people understand is take the emotion out of it and really focus on the facts, which is doing your homework, knowing the value of the role that you're in on the market, which by the way, is very different than the, the value or the range that a company might place on LinkedIn or on as, you know, in a pay transparency state. Um, those two numbers are very different. So doing your homework and having facts to help you bring forward your, your case, right? And, and focusing more on what value you bring, what skill set you have, and how you think you can make an impact in the company. And that's all part of the interview process anyway, which is what you're doing. And another just key thing that I, I make sure people understand is once they want you, if you negotiate with them, that also shows your confidence and your leadership. And it's it's something that's actually that they will value when you are in the role. Um, Carrie just noted about about women. It, absolutely absolutely right and it's a it's a, a narrative that we need to change because it's what i was also told my whole career women mm -hmm. are terrible negotiators well no we're not who says really? no where's that coming from it's the right. same thing around the association to money and it's just about like okay well if i were in the driver's seat in this situation when else in my life have I been in the driver's seat where I was able to pull together the facts, where I was able to take the emotion out of it and, and just have a conversation, which, by the way, is, is supposed to be a win-win. If you walk into a negotiation and you see this as, I want them, they want me, rock on, this is amazing, let's, let's meet, let's meet at a place where we're both going to be happy. I actually encourage my people to say that when you're negotiating, because you bring the you bring the level of stress down. It's it's the very first thing that we teach in our negotiation module, right? Like our online community is built up of a bunch of different courses. Some is mindset and time management and personal focused. Some of it is modern business development using new tools. Part of it is the art of negotiation. And I think that's where everybody goes wrong is people's initial thought about a negotiation is I have to win. This is about me. And as soon as you do that, you become adversarial in everything that you're trying to do. It's if you go into the thought process with this is a win-win, I need to figure out how to get the most that I can get while the other side is getting what they can get, which in terms of, of, of hiring is they want you. They want you in the role. 
So how do I then maximize the dollar amount that they're willing to give me to get me in that role? I'm a nerd at heart, right? I am a firm believer that preparation and data will give you confidence. How do I know what my market value is? How, how do I do that homework to figure out what I'm actually worth? Well, today, the AI tools are phenomenal, um, far more than, you know, back in my day of sure. negotiating. We didn't have that. All we knew was what we currently made. Um, we didn't we don't talk about it with our colleagues or our friends, which is something we also need to change. Um, there are tons and tons of websites that you can simply Google it. There's a there's a ton. I mean, LinkedIn has a source sells um um, ChatGPT has a um, salary um, um, add-on. There's there's tons. I'm happy also to give you, Mark, if you have show notes, um, a list of them that I could share with your audience. But yeah, knowing knowing that, and I think one of the most important things that I also recommend is you never talk in numbers. You always talk in ranges. And when yes. someone asks, often the mistake people make is they ask what your expectations are and they tell you what they currently make. And keeping in mind that First conversation, the very best thing that you can do when someone asks you that is to actually ping it back to them and, uh, and say, listen, you know, you obviously have a budget range for this role. I've done my market research. Why don't you share with me what you've budgeted and let's go from there, given the fact that we're talking about far more than just salary. Right. So it's, you know, even if you say what are your salary expectations, we're talking compensation, which is there are about 20 levers that you can pull in compensation to make up from car allowances, to transportation, other transportation, to spot bonus, sign-on bonus, performance bonus, equity, uh, healthcare, gym, development, MBAs. Like the list is so long. And so one of the things that in the Know Your Worth segment of the module, I really help people to ground themselves to what they actually value. So if money, money is not your number one driver, or if it is, what else? What else do you value? You value family. Do you live near your family? Well, you probably then value time off if you don't. Um, you value flexibility, freedom. You value an environment where you can be yourself and authentic, right? So figuring out what you value, that actually goes hand in hand with you figuring out all the different levers from a package perspective. And I always recommend getting very, very creative. So I work with a previous client, recent client was a CEO, multi-million dollar package. And I just helped an automotive technician with a $50,000 raise on $100,000 that he was making. And we filled that gap with some, a, a part of it was his hourly rate. We threw in car, we threw in gas, we threw in healthcare, we threw in every, we threw in two additional weeks of PTO, which for an hourly, hourly worker is actually cash in your pocket. And all the things that are after tax that people just don't think about. I will give you one other tip, Mark. In all of my thousands of offers that I've made in my career, not one person, not one, has ever asked me about the healthcare benefits the value of the healthcare benefits, the details of the benefits and what they cost. You mm. could go from working in a company paying $500 a month for your healthcare benefits for you and your family to a $2,500 a month bill. Now you're, this, any salary bump that you got, you've shot yourself in the foot. Mm. And depending on where you are in your life, you want to know what those benefits are. Maybe I am in child rearing age 
um, stage in my life. And I want to see if you have fertility benefits. If not, you know what? I might say yes to the company that does because that's the stage of life I'm in. And these are kinds of things that I think people are not shame on companies for not being forthcoming in giving this information, but shame on all of us for not asking. So one of the things I outline is all the levers you have to pull and, you know, you start talking about salary and then you, you know, depending on where they are, you find ways to fill the, fill the gaps and, and so expand. I'm going to get a little tactical on you and I'm going to play a little bit devil's advocate, right? Cause it is, it's the same in sales, right? It's the same when you're, when you're working with a client and they want to know, like, well, what value do you have? You have a budget that you're looking to spend on training and development. You have a budget that you're looking to spend on building this platform for your people, what you're willing to invest in your company. And we can play that game back and forth. At some point they may want to know the price, right? And if they put that back on you to say, yeah, we understand, well, we're just starting the search and we haven't really set a range yet, but we'd like to know what your expectations are. What is your recommendation on how to set your range? Is the floor what you're currently making? Is a little bit above what you're currently making? How do you recommend what pe for people to do there? Yeah. So you go to a bunch of different websites and you gather your data. <clears throat> you look at the ranges of the role that you're interviewing for. You talk to your network. Let's say, Mark, you are a manager, senior manager, and you're going up to director. You talk to friends in similar industries. You talk to friends and say, hey, how much do directors make inside your organization? If you happen to have an HR friend, you call her and you also say, what do directors make? What's the range of directors in, in, in your industry? Um, I'm interviewing for a job. You do your homework. You then say, okay, so this is a bump for me from a senior manager to a director. Maybe I have a 10% bonus. And directors make between 20 and 25% bonus. You put all those facts together and you say, look, I'm making today 120,000. The number that feels really good based on my homework and based on where I see myself is between 150 to 185, let's say. Even mm -hmm. 150 is a pretty big bump from where you are. Sure. Then you establish your range based on all of that data. And if there is a range posted, you can use that a bit as a bit of a gauge. But you you start the conversation by saying, well, based on the roles that I've been interviewing for, and um, you know that that recruiters are reaching out to me on, and the homework I've done, the range that I'm thinking about is between 150 to 185. And knowing that 150 is the number you'd be really happy with, that's your starting point of your range. So in the event they don't go past 150, you're going to be, you're still going to be really, really happy. Then you've got room to play. You've got all the other levers where if it's still, it's only 150, well, I'm going for the 25% bonus because that's what market is yeah. also saying. Bonus is a bit of a trickier one because it's not something that is, um, is posted as, as regularly. So you want to talk to your network about that. But start high on the bonus and say, hey, you know what? Bonus range that I'm experiencing is between 20 and 30 percent. You end up at 25. You are currently at 10. Phenomenal. Great. Um, and then you pull you pull out all the other conversation. You pull the other topics in that same conversation. You say, listen, this is a range I'm, you know, that I'm seeing on the market. Um, but we're also talking about many other things such as bonus, pay time off. I'm sure you have some development that you offer and there's other things that we can talk through as we get further down the line in the 
in the interview process. It's no surprise that it comes down to preparation. I mean, it doesn't matter what topic we talk about. It doesn't matter what industry we talk about. When you talk about being great at anything, it always comes back to how much preparation did you do? You keep referring to homework, 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 homework. How much homework do you did you do? How much preparation did you do to walk into that? My final question to you, I'm going to flip the table on you a little bit because I thought this is a really good question that Lori Salarillo asked. Lori is the CEO of Junior Achievement of South Florida, where I was yesterday and I talked about in the beginning of the show. Are people coming in with realistic expectations? Obviously, cost of living has gone up pretty much everywhere around, around the country. I want you to put on your HR hat for a minute and go to the other side and say, how do you deal with people that are coming in when you've got people that are graduating that are asking for $75,000 base salaries for an entry-level job and expecting the world to be handed to them? How do we deal with that as the other side of the table, as the leaders? Yeah. So I would hate to assume that people are expecting things to be handed to them. I really, again, would look at it from the perspective of, have I done my homework as the company? So mm. I happen to be a more modern HR leader and I do equity analysis on the regular. I do it before mm. I take over any chief people officer role. It's super, super critical, but because companies that don't do that and they don't compare themselves to the market, they shoot themselves in their in the foot because they don't get the best talent and they're not creating an environment where their people feel valued because they don't have transparency around their philosophies. So I think HR needs to do and companies need to do a better job actually grounding themselves and talking to the leaders about what the market is paying and mm. then resetting inside, which also will positively impact your retention rates. Um, so that's that's a, a very positive exercise to do. It may cost you a little bit more money up front, but um, I think doing you doing your homework. And then if, if a person out of college comes to me and says, I think I want 75,000 and they're, you know, all excited. Um, I would have a real conversation with them to say, listen, you know, at this, the range for this role, people coming in is this dollar amount. This is realistically where we're at. But let's talk about some of the other things you value to see where we can find a way to meet in the middle. And if I'm not ready to pay you 75,000 and my number is actually 55, okay, there's a little gap there, but you know what? Maybe I can do a sign-on bonus for the, for the person. Mm. You know what? That's great because I got to move to a new city. You just helped me with my first and my last month's rent. And yay, that's pretty incredible. That's and then cool. the other key thing that companies need to do is also talk to their people about their growth trajectory. So what does a career ladder look like for me inside the organization? And what does that look like also for me financially? What can I expect what does a person at this level get for bonus? What does the next level look like? How am I going to grow here? And that's the conversation that's either led by HR, your manager, or, or the person. Because again, Mark, get in the driver's seat. I'm a car girl. I ride a, I ride a Harley. I always talk in car references, lift up the hood, put the pedal to the metal. It's just who I am. Um, you have to be in the driver's seat of your career. You are the only one that will care as much about you than you is you um, highly recommend finding great partners like me, like you, people in your network who, who want to help you succeed and grow and find those people inside the organization as well, because 
People love talking about themselves. They love when you knock on their door and say, hey, I saw you give this speech. You were really amazing. Would you be open to talk about your career, how you got there? I'd love to mm. learn. That is the best way to grow inside an organization and listen and learn and do everything you can to foster that network from a very early stage and it will pay dividends. Carrie Lynn, you dropped a ridiculous amount of noodle nuggets, as we like to call them on the Noodleberg Daily Huddle. Mm -hmm. um, phenomenal conversation, a great carryover from our original conversation. If people want to get in touch with you, if people want to learn about your course, people want to learn about working with you individually, what's the best way for them to do that? So I'm really big on LinkedIn. I leave a lot more noodle nuggets, um, KL, KL nuggets on LinkedIn every day, five days a week I post. So follow me on LinkedIn. I'm the salary bump everywhere else, salarybump.com. Um, same with TikTok, same with Instagram. Go find me. Fantastic. Well, you. enjoy riding your Harley. Stay safe for us so that we can possibly have you back on the show. Thank you for being an unbelievable expert. Thank you for sharing your knowledge. Thank you for being a huddler in the hot seat. You have a fantastic weekend. Everybody have a fantastic weekend. The grind always includes Saturday and Sunday, which just means doing a little bit of preparation. Do your homework as Carrie Lynn has told everybody to do today. Absolutely fantastic interview. Thank you again, Carrie Lynn. We will see you guys next week. Let's get down to business. Please don't worry about me. I'm about to let my heart speak. Friends keep telling me to leave this. So let's get down, let's get down to business. Let's get down, let's get down.